Welcome to the Absolute Comics, a show where Sal and I sit around talking about the latest comic books, the latest comic book news, and occasionally talking with some of your favorite writers. Today joining us is James, I, I always say Tynion because I'm used to it, but it's Tinian, isn't it? It's Tynion. Oh, I've been saying it right. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when you and I had to talk about your name and I walked away from that like, wait, which one was it? <laughs> <laughs> I've always said this to people because like, how did you mispronounce something? And I always say, however you ended up saying it for so many years is what you're going to say. It doesn't matter. Oh, and yeah. I use that argument in my Ra's al Ghul versus Rachel Ghul video. Like, it doesn't matter which one you think you know is the right one. That's just how you've been saying it forever. Yep. So, yeah. No, 100%. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, welcome to our show today. I'm Benny. I wrote a channel notice comic story. That is Sal from Comic Pop. And this is the current writer for Batman and a bunch of his own personal projects. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> so we already pre uh, prefaced this question just to make sure it's all good with you. And we want to kick it off with this one. But now that we know that the original plan for you going to Batman 100 didn't go, didn't come as, as planned, because you're still on it. So, which is great news. I know I, I made that sound very terrible. Like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> so you're stuck on Batman past 100. Yeah, so. worst, worst job to have. <laughs> <laughs> what, what would you have changed about Joker War now that you know, if you had known you were going to stay past 100? Yeah. I think the uh, the general complaint that I've had and he Sal's had about Joker War is that it feels like you knew 100's the ending. I have to get to this point, right? And I've been wondering, like, what would he have done if he knew he was staying? Like, where could this have gone? Well, I mean, this is, uh, I mean, it's it's an interesting question. It's a really interesting question because if like part of how I built the entire year was the fact that I really didn't, uh, like, I was sort of writing off a cliff. It was something where <laughs> the, the shape of the story that I was writing kept changing in a bunch of key ways, and the the end point of the story kept shifting around. And it's something that, as I was, as I was putting this story together, uh, like, I mean, well, the first thing that I would almost want to say is that I, like, the, th the biggest differences that would have happened if I had like been able to plan in advance is I probably wouldn't have leaned into the things that ended up, I think, being some of the, the most exciting pieces of Joker War. Uh, like One, because there was a lot I couldn't control, I leaned into what I could, which was namely creating new characters that really spoke to me and really excited me. So I was able to basically, like, I had seen the response to Punchline, and I was able to lean hard into uh, Punchline, and I was able to lean hard into the creation of the Clown Hunter character. Uh, you know, and I think that the, 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 you know, it's a hard, it's a hard question. When you when you asked me if you could ask it, I think that I was uh, <laughs> like. Because there, there's a lot. Obviously, there are a lot of things connected to this that that I can't really say. And I will say that right. Joker War, uh, for the most part, is was written after the point that I knew that uh, I knew that I was going to that the that my run was going to continue past okay. it. But I knew that Joker War needed to include in issue 100, and I knew that it needed to accomplish a number. There were a number of things that needed to be accomplished by Joker. And the ending of Joker War was one of the big pieces that uh, was, you know, would have was the piece that was the most in flux in the story. 
And, you know, as that cemented, I was able to sort of drive things toward it in, in the way that I saw fit. Uh, but I saw, you know, but a lot of it was letting me lean into uh, the elements that I could tell that I was getting the most response from. Uh, right. And that was, and that, and that, like, is part of, the, I think, part of the joy of the, the series is the is leaning into not only that, but leaning into what I saw Jorge, Jorge Jimenez, who's just an absolutely incredible artist, what he was having fun with. And it was just like letting him, especially in the action sequences, uh, just like letting him totally run the show. And it was like I, I was I would write full script for the more conversation based things. And then I would go more of. Uh, plot style for the, the action sequence and lay all of that out. Um, I think that there's, you know, a, a lot of this is uh, connected to like how I'm approaching next. Like, so next year I finally have a bit more runway to sort of shape, shape what, like what the story is, the characters in that story beyond just creating new things. And, and, and actually have, I have a, a full outline of like the full story that I'm going to, to write. <laughs> and Jorge's already, uh, drawing of his second issue of, of, of next year. And so we're, we've got a head start and I'm really, really excited to where this one's going. And, and I think that that's going to allow me to, uh, stretch in a few different directions. And there's also a, there's a secondary, uh, element that, I'm trying to think of how I can even allude to it, but there, you know, the there there's another project that'll be connected to the Batman project that is going to allow me to sort of uh, split my focus and go more focused in a few different places, uh, and I will be able to talk about that more when the March solicits come out. Gotcha. <laughs> in, Sweet. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I I know I'm sort of like rambling in a few different directions, but it is. Uh, you know, I would say that the biggest change would have been. Uh... No, I can't say that. <laughs> it's, it's perfectly fine. It, it really is. People love to see like the brain moving, and you just being like, "Oh, I'm like I, this I stuff I wanted to do, but I just can't tell you." So, yeah. <laughs> well, and, and I will say that there there are elements here that I was able to spin forward. And that was that was the most exciting thing for me, because like not in, in the world where I was ending in Batman 100, I would not have had the I would not have been able to uh, carry some story threads forward like uh, Clown Hunter in particular. Clown Hunter, I actually originally came up with as a character who would have debuted in a post Joker War project that I would have been a part of writing that wouldn't have been the Batman title. Ah, but it okay. would have been part of the aftermath of, of Joker. That project doesn't exist anymore. It's evolved into a different thing. Uh, but it is something that I I wanted to, to show sort of the aftermath and create this new young character. And seeing the response to Punchline, my first great realization was, why am I holding off on a piece that I feel like will connect with people? I need to move this character up and into this story so people actually see him in the context of Joker War which is going to like have all eyes pointed at, at it. And, and also like, and in doing that, I also now kn knew that I was going to be able to follow, do a follow-up story that dug deeper into uh, clown hunter as a character. So right. I was able to keep him a bit more mysterious in upfront. So then I could open him up as a character 
moving forward because you know that's the benefit of a run over the over just the story is you can tease things out and i think that you know i'm i like writing to tease things out like i like sort of setting things up and all that the other character who was huge in that was punchline like punchline was a character where you know i i always had this idea of where the character could go uh because i sort of pieced her together out of uh pieces of a of a different pitch that I pitched DC like over a year and a half ago, uh, which was it was to do a series that would have been the Joker series that did not feature the actual Joker, which would have been uh, it would have been a book where like a young teenage character and it would have been a male character uh, was basically listening to the recordings of like Joker in Arkham Asylum and would fall fall for the ideology of the Joker. And then start committing crimes as this kind of new Joker around time. And it was me trying to build my own, like trying to do something closer to what I do in my indie comics, uh, doing a kind of Mr. Miracle style, like 12 issue series. That was kind of the pitch. Uh, But it was something, but I had that idea in the back of my head. And, uh, and then, you know, and then a bunch of, (laughs) a bunch of things happened very quickly. And I realized that I needed a character like that in my Joker run and i knew that harley quinn was going to be a part of the story so i needed the character to be a mirror of harley quinn so i started building punchline as a character uh but now but once i knew that the character was going to be able to continue past joker war i was able to kind of tease out some of the the core pieces of uh of her as a character that i am very very excited to tell because they're the things that i think make her kind of make her unique in in the dc universe and uh give her a different angle uh than any of the other arkham rogues the classic the batman villain and i think she and she and clown hunter really help embody the like this new era of gotham that we're building and it's something that i'm and that's an those are pieces i'm really really excited I mean, I really love what you did with Punchline because when she first got introduced, I was in the camp of, oh, we just have Harley Quinn. He just wants to do his own and we don't have Har- we don't have that Harley Quinn anymore. So right. we just need another one. So that's what we're going to make. Uh, and that, I was in that camp. I was thinking along those lines. But I liked how you spun her into really her own character following different ideologies of the Joker and having a different spin on the idea of the Joker. Because yeah. we already have Harley Quinn. She loves him, you know, or she yeah. did love him. And now she's her own separate character. We already have the Joker's daughter, the crazy girl that, you know, she just thinks that she loves the Joker or wants yeah. to be a part of his family. So when once Punchline, you were able to flesh her out, I was really kind of digging the character because you you quickly moved past the, no, she's not just Harley Quinn. Like yeah. you, could, you could have easily just played that off for a while and we all would have been yeah. like, oh, it's a cool new design for Harley, whatever, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. No, um, what yeah. did you what did you think about the reaction to her though because like i think i was in the small camp of it's another harley quinn everyone else was like oh my god yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think i think there's something very simple about the idea of like of creating this kind of dark mirror to harley and the idea of joker ha- effectively having a new girlfriend and there's something like very archy comic about it where it's like, <laughs> you know, and down to the fact where it's like, I, even when I was writing the original uh, description of, of the character, it was the idea that if Har- Harley is the angel on Joker's shoulder, punchline is the devil on his shoulder. It's the, it was always kind of in that kind of, in that framework. But honestly, I give so much of that credit to Jorge and incredible design for her. 
I think the second people saw that design, they really, really responded. And this is like part of my theory in general, is I think there is a huge excitement around new characters, right? And I saw that going back a year when I when I launched my my independent series, Something is Killing the Children, which I which is something that, you know, in general is a series that's it's a horror series. It's kind of like a Stephen King novel. It's me doing my own little brand on Stephen King. But it has this main character who has an iconic look and a design. And I the design saw, is incredible for that. Yeah, the, like that. And all credit goes to Werther Deladera, my uh, co-creator. There, but seeing the response to her and that design was just like, oh wow! Like people are really, really hungry for their own character. Like people, like I think there is a new generation of fans who have found found comics, and the, it happens like every five years ago. I felt this five years ago when I was in the industry, and I was a you know, when I remember the wave of new readers I was a part of back as a team. And it's just like, there's always a bit of like, I want to be on the ground floor and learning about all this character, because I think there's also something in the in the comic book, you know, being a comic book nerd, you want to be the one who knows the most about a, a, this character and you want to know about them before they show up in a TV show or an animated yep. series or a cartoon you want to like you want to have like this is the backstory and all of that and there's also like and i think the other part of that is the fact that we're living in this era where there are so many tv shows animated series cartoons or that's the same thing uh movies <laughs> video games like but the that uh you know even that your favorite character there might be 10 different versions of them floating around right right and so the idea of creating a new character that there's only one version of there's, and everything that is happening to that character is canon. And there is a single building point from that. I think people like connect to that and they latch onto that because I think they're hungry for that kind of singular approach. So like that's something that I seeing that that response like was like, oh wow, like creating new characters is a real priority for me. And uh, and punchline just connected really, really quickly. That design connected really quickly. There were people doing cosplay and fan art within the first week. Um, and that that really, really excited me. And the thing that makes me like really excited also about the response uh, more recently to Clown Hunter is the fan art I keep seeing from Clown Hunter is mostly by teenage. Mm. Like that makes me excited. Like that it's just the like the ones that pop up in my feed, it's a bunch of young readers who are like just Joker War may have been the first the uh, Batman story that they picked up monthly. Right. And it's like and they're finding that character and they they want to know more about him. They want to they want more stories about him and like he's the one that they are connecting and that is that's exactly what I wanted to happen. So <laughs> that makes me really happy. How did you enjoy the um <clears throat> the speculation when Clown Hunter debuted because there was a, I'm sure that you you were just watching it with gleeful uh you know <laughs> jubilance just like this kind of like <laughs> they all think he's Damien ha 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 like because there was a lot of there was there were theories thrown out immediately about who Cl who Clown Hunter was and where this was going and then finding out he's his own character he's his original thing that represents something different than you know just a rehashing of another character or a new a new skin on an old character um right. but but did you do is that the kind of thing that you kind of enjoyed or was that just like oh well i didn't even i was so busy i didn't even notice <laughs> <laughs> I, I i did notice it happening and i do like honestly like when you see speculation like the like uh, when people are just sitting around and wondering about like 
who is this character? What do they want? What does this character mean for this character? And like, how are they connected to that? Like, then I've done my job. Like, I remember being the person who was just on message boards wondering about like, you know, new characters. Like, I remember like the best example was when Ronan showed up (laughs) and uh, new Avengers and just the, there was all of this speculation of who he was and all of that. Yep. And it was the, like, and just being a part of, uh, you know, just being a part of that is exciting and being some instigating moments like that is exciting. But it's also, you know, I, like Clown Hunter is his own unique character and always was his own character. Uh, sometimes, sometimes I think there is like the one moment that I think sometimes those conversations go too far is they think that because I have seen the conversation, I've deviated from a path. Right. Ah. It's usually not the case. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like I would say 99.999. <laughs> I, would, I would hope you had it more planned out than, oh, this Forbes, great. This is a great at Damien. I should die. Yeah. Oh, I like that. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't give him an origin, so why I, not? <laughs> I do remember that that those discussions happening on old message boards, like the and and then when creators would pop up and be like, "No," or like, "Oh, I like that," or you know, like I know Dance Lot is 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 famous for that, being like, "No, yeah. oh, you're close." <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm sure that there is this 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 need to create now in today's world of like everything being so interconnected to try and manufacture a disconnect between the audience and the artist because like you can't be that involved because otherwise there is no way to really I think effectively extricate yourself from the conversation and be like no he was never influenced by the conversation none of my characters yeah. were influenced by the conversation um, no, right. and then on top of that I think that you know like the Batman has a lot of very engaged and very excited fandom that are like, you know, subset of the, the larger Batman fandom. And each of those fandoms have very strong opinions about all of those characters. Right. And when I was yeah. a teenager and in college, I was absolutely, I was in, in my own camp where I had my own strong opinions. So it's like, it's something that I have always like, I respect from a distance because I don't think that like in, Engaging in that, I think, is uh, is a path to ruin. But, <laughs> <laughs> but actual, but you know, I'm 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 happy that you know it, when stories like uh, give people like powerful feelings, and I'm also you know, and and it also like every story is an entry point, and that that is more true about Batman as a title than any other title, because more people are likely when walking into a comic shop for the first time to try out Batman as a title because it's just called Batman. Yeah. They know yeah. Who Batman is. And it's just like, they're going to pick it up. And so it's just making sure that there's always something exciting happen and, and always something that is worth, you know, putting down a, like, uh, you know, however many dollars a single issue. <laughs> like, uh, is it, yeah, are we at, I'm trying to remember, am I at two ninety nine or three ninety nine? I think maybe three ninety nine. I think you're $3.99 right now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're Batman. Whatever the high one is, is probably where you're at right now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, like, it is, it's exciting. It's, it is exciting to see people like really engage with the material. And it's also, and, you know, and start to have their, their own theories about what's going to happen and all of that. Like, yeah. I love it. Is there anything that you got to do? Cause I know as a fan, who grew up on this material is there anything you 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 have the opportunity to actually inf- like affect the change you wanted to see 
and then had the choice of being like, I can do as a fan, I could do this, but as an artist, I need to do this. <laughs> I mean, the the biggest example of that was when I was on Detective Comics with Tim Drake. Yeah, and I I, ha- I got to have my cake and eat it too with that one. Whereas just like because I originally when I originally pitched for the series, I wanted Tim Drake to be up front and center, but the the rule the standard like line at the time was that you know Tim Drake was the like they 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 didn't want a big focus on the Bat Family. They didn't want uh you know too many Robins running around, and Tim was the the kind of the the odd fit right that was that damien was stepping over to titans for the first time at the start of rebirth and so all of a sudden tim was homeless uh essentially and i wanted to give him a home and originally they were really uh they were really hesitant about that but then uh jeff johns decided that part of the larger like rebirth meta story would involve tim drake dying and him making him die allowed me to make him up front and center in the story and then, you know, and then, like, I was able to make basically the entire two, my 50-issue run <laughs> of, of, de- uh, of Detective Comics, a, a treatise on Tim Drake as a character. And, uh, and I was able to bring back his original origin, which I thought was crucial to the character because they, they had made it in the New 52 that he didn't actually figure out Batman and Robin's identity. Nope. And that, like, it just... He was just a smart guy. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you know, and I think that, and then I think reintroducing that and leaning back into that, that classic story allowed me to, so that was me like pure fanboy doing my like own (laughs) fanboy editing. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Actually, Tim Drake really was super smart and actually he really (laughs) did figure out his identity because that is crucial to who he is as Robin. He's actually the perfect Robin. Yeah, I can see that. I believe you're also, you're guilty of putting in the nasty Graham line in one of your books as well. Yes, I did. I Uh, 100 that. Which, ladies and gentlemen, if you're not familiar, if you pick up uh, Batman versus Punisher Part 2, uh... (laughs) Robin is going head to head with microchip and uh he he just says some 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 techno babble that is straight up nothing. Yeah. He's going to leave a a nasty gram on his home box. <laughs> <laughs> and you got to bring it back into a incontinuity Batman story. Yeah. Which I thought was just I'm like I I read it I'm like no. No. <laughs> <laughs> That was my so, big fan right, well, episode. Here you go. We got, we got to have our Batman fun. I, I have to cut Sal off or he will spend the whole hour <laughs> talking about and then we'll be oh, right, you had something you want to talk about. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't have very much to go here, so what yeah. is it you came here to actually talk about today? What, <laughs> as, much as, we, as much as we love Batman. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, it's sort of uh, an exciting moment right now. I've, like, I've got a number of properties uh, going and thankfully they've and they've all been and thankfully they've all been successful uh you know i just launched a new image comic series called the department of truth uh which is about uh you know basically imagine if every conspiracy theory was true <laughs> uh, it's uh you know me like here's a tiny version of the first cover which i don't know nice. showed up on camera or not <laughs> but uh oh, we saw- <laughs> it's uh you know, that uh, series is something that I've been developing for about two years and is one of the and is something that is very like near and dear to my heart. This week sees the the release of issue number two, 
It's me like scratching all of the classic vertigo itch that that's in the back of my head. Yes. Like the stories like Sandman and Preacher that made me want to write comics. I've always dreamed of writing a comic like the Department of Truth. Uh, so I hope people I hope people who've enjoyed my work on Batman uh, like will go and give it a series like that a chance. Like and you know it's a little outside the box. It's a little. Uh, different than your standard superhero fare, but it is something that that's very near and dear to me. Uh, the other big series that I'm working on right now is a book called something is killing children, uh, which is a, uh, a story about a woman named Erica slaughter, who is a monster hunter, uh, who is, uh, you know, who basically arrives in, the, in this small town. Nobody understands, uh, what's happening. All of these children are going missing. And some are being discovered dead. And she shows up because, you know, the the whole the larger premise of the of something is killing the children is that it's a world where children can see monsters, but adults can't uh, unless they're a member of the, this secret order of monster hunter. And Erica is a character who is, uh, you know, showing up there and she is there to, to save the children. And it's one of my favorite things that I've ever written. And, you know, the. The response to the series has been huge. Issue 11, which just came out this month, sales actually uh, were over what sales for issue one uh, were. No, uh, that's wow. great. Yeah. Because I know issue one did well just because of the artwork alone. The artwork got a lot of people's attention. The designs, yeah. the, the way it all looked, everyone is like, myself included, what is this? Yeah. You know, like, this just looks <laughs> awesome. And it's definitely me trying to drop like a Wolverine style, like Wolverine meets John Constantine uh, as a like, uh, <laughs> blonde woman with a bandana, like showing up in this small town uh, and be like, you know, it's me doing my own Stephen King novel. As, I'm as actually really surprised that there's no there's that they haven't released a some there's something killing the children face mask for oh. the current time. Oh, they they totally have New York Comic oh, Con. Okay, <laughs> oh yeah no i've got the my i shouldn't do this ah! <laughs> here's a i don't even know if this positioned right yeah, that's yeah. A, oh look no it looks good now. yeah because go. i just thought of it now because i yeah. just reread the whole thing because we're putting out the video soon and i was like wait i haven't seen those masks anywhere <laughs> yeah, the fact that, it, that they didn't make them into medical masks is uh <laughs> just just yeah, just a mistake <laughs> I think the issue was just like mass producing the mass producing. These were a little, uh, you know, cheaper in the long run. Right. <laughs> uh, but yeah. And so I've, I've been really, really thrilled about the response to that series. Uh, and, and honestly, like, you know, my, my roots, like I, I love superheroes. Superheroes are such bread and butter to like what I what I do as a creator but it's been really really good in the last year to dip my toes back into the the creator owned field and and let myself sort of explore all of the types of stories that I don't always get the the leeway to tell in in the superheroes right and and it also like it, it relieves a bit of a pressure where it's just like I can I can focus on by doing these side projects. I can focus on Batman, like delivering with Batman something that is just like pure excitement. Pure, like what my Batman run. What I keep saying is like if my Detective Comics run was me trying to do like Chris Claremont nineteen seventies nineteen eighties X Men. My Batman run is me trying to do nineteen nineties X. Like this <laughs> is me trying to tap into that kind of pure comic book id 
and just like do big exciting stories with big exciting set pieces and you know and and do all that and and i'm i'm more comfortable doing that when i can do my weird like <laughs> uh, <laughs> on uh on the side and this so i'm um, so I hope people check out both Something is Killing the Children and uh, Department of Truth. But the but the one that I actually, part of the reason I reached out is I actually have a, a very weird little pet project that I started putting together over the summer uh, that's called Razorblades the Horror Magazine. Hmm. And this is uh, something that I am self-publishing. And it is my... Oh, okay. Uh, my first attempt at self-publishing anything. And it was something that came together like early in quarantine. It was me. Like I was talking to my editor on the department of truth about uh, how like, and at that moment we had no idea this would have been in April. We had no idea when comics were coming back. Like there was no, like the, the comics had stopped coming out in comic shops and they, uh, for almost two months and the, yeah. And it was just like, and it wasn't sure how long that was going to be. It wasn't sure like if payment was going to continue and all of that. And it was a scary moment for a lot of creators. And it was also the moment at which everyone realized that, oh, we're not going to have conventions this year. Like we're not going to be able to, I'm not going to be able to see and hang out with a bunch of my like close friends in the industry yeah. uh, and, and do that. So, you know, being a creative person, what I wanted to do was start making something. And, uh, you know, and basically I reached out to a bunch of my friends and just like, I would love to do a horror anthology magazine, like, and build, build out something that, that allows me to like, <laughs> just experiment and do a bunch of short form stories that let me work with a bunch of artists that, uh, that I've wanted to work with, but I don't have the time to do like an ongoing series with. And so, uh, we, we ended up launching the first issue over over the summer in July, and that and I, I announced it on my uh, on my newsletter, and I did a very short uh, print run of of, of five hundred copies, and that five those five hundred copies sold out in forty five minutes. And I was not <laughs> I was not expecting that. Uh, like it just like the, from the moment I announced it, it like wiped out my entire thing. And I spent the whole next month shipping, <laughs> shipping all of those copies out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, part of that was just, the, it was a little trial and error and me trying to figure out, uh, you know, how the process worked. And it was trying to get everything together so that when we launched the second issue, uh, we could, we could do things a little different and we could do a bigger print run, uh, that, uh, would allow it to get, get the, the, the comic in a bunch more people's hands. And so right now, and this is this is running until midnight on Halloween. Uh, people can order uh, it. You, you can order issue two of uh, Razor Blades, and you can also order a full annual subscription to Razor Blades with some extra goodies, uh, you know, along for the ride. And that and that 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 full year subscription also includes a reprint of the first issue that sold out so quickly cool. uh, over the summer. So you can do that at readrazorblades.com. Uh, Just found it. That's what I was looking for this yep. whole time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it's it's at readrazorblades.com. And the, the other element of it that, that was really important uh, in putting this together is not only are these print versions available, 
but there's also we are making the digital version of the comic pay what you want because we want this to be able to reach the most number of people. So even if you're you just want to like experiment, you just want to read it for yourself and see if it's your bag, uh, you can go to readrazorblades.com and download it for literally zero dollars if you want. <laughs> Uh, both the first and second issue. So oh yeah, that, they're right there. Yeah. So I, I just so I'm aware because I'm looking at your store right now. Um, yeah. You the, you you have two of them here for the year. You have zero left on the premium one year foil. Yes. The, the so, other so one's still available. A, there was a very short uh, batch of uh, foil editions of the first one that were that 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 I put out the day that they became available, um, and. You know, but th- those all sold out very quickly once again. Uh, but now, now we're just. Uh, but the, you, there are still two different versions of the full year subscription. There's one that's a premium version that also comes with special art prints uh, that'll be you know coming in over around the year, and it'll also come with a collector's box and uh, uh, an an exclusive enamel pin uh, that'll be released through that. So. That's the premium edition. Or if you just want the books, you can just get the books. There's a basic version of the subscription that gets you issues one through five. They're coming out quarterly. Uh, so it's like, so it'll be July, uh, October, January, April, July. And that'll be the whole first year of the book. And then, you know, hopefully some point after that, we'll collect it in a nice big edition. Uh, but, you know, it's something that, uh, like, the, is, like, this is my weird experimental project. This is me trying. <laughs> it's an awesome trying. idea. I really like it. Well, thank you. And it's it, a lot of it comes from I like I'm a big Alan Moore fan. Alan Moore is my you know all time favorite comic book writer. And I like and but for years I read most of everything he wrote when I was in high school. And that for years I wanted there to be one great Alan Moore book on my shelf that I could save for a rainy day. And the book was From Hell. Uh, oh. It's his. It's, <laughs> story with eddie campbell of the jack the ripper murders with and uh and i decided at the start of quarantine that it was the rainy day like here yeah. it is i wanted to i wanted to take the book down from the shelf i wanted to read it uh and you know big shocker it's one of the best comic books i've ever read uh, ever read not written uh, <laughs> that's a lot of credit you're going for there <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's your new headline. James Tyne the Fourth claims credit for from from hell. <laughs> Would like royalties that on might, movie. That might be bigger than the Batman clickbait. I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, but but honestly, it was it was really really exciting, and uh, and I was reading up about it, and it was something that I had known. Like I could have like given this answer in like a tr- comic book trivia session, but I I didn't. But uh, from hell used to, was originally published in the pages of. Uh, horror anthology book in the 80s called taboo and taboo uh the, the so i think the first four or five issues ran in in that horror anthology and that that anthology was created by uh by steve Bissett, who was the artist of the classic alan moore swamp thing run and it has all of these amazing creators and it has like you know even down even some people who are more in the indie alternative side of comic books like charles burns is in there uh, but Neil, Neil Gaiman's in there, uh, Alan Moore, just a bunch of really, really some of the best creators of the 1980s were a part of that book. And it even went on to be published by uh, uh, Kevin Eastman's uh, uh, Tundra, 
uh, in the, in the early nineties when, when Kevin Eastman did his own creator own comic book company. So it was, and so that book was uh, like, I, I bought on eBay a full run of taboo and I was <laughs> sitting down reading it. And it was something that, that, that really struck me, which is that there really isn't a space like that in comics. Anymore. Yeah, there isn't no. a space where like, cause comics are so many different things. Like you've got manga, you've got the YA book market, Raina Tegelmeyer stuff. You've got the, you know, indie alternative fantagraphics drawn in quarterly style books. You have got the direct market, big superhero and image books. Like you have all of these different types of comics. And like back in the 80s, there was a lot more interplay between all of those different corners. The, like the creators from those different fields all, all were still a part of more one industry. Like comic conventions were still all encompassing for all of those different corners. And like in modern days, they, everyone's sort of in their own camp. And it's, it's one of those interesting things where I think that people who are really into one camp don't even know what's happening in the other camp, mm. including me. Like there are, there are a lot of books that had just sort of totally slipped by the wayside. And so I wanted to like, I was just asking myself, like, why isn't there a space where we can get a story by someone from the like deepest indie alternative books? right next to someone uh, someone who's writing <laughs> writing and drawing books for like DC and Marvel uh right next to someone who's drawing a book for uh you know random house like for their YA line and it's just like how what happens when you actually take all of the young creators and put them all in one spot and and see what they can cook up and so just create that kind of platform and it's it's fully creator owned all of these pieces are like fully like everyone owns their own story. Uh, and, you know, and it's just it's just a bunch of a bunch of us trying to make cool shit. <laughs> yeah, See, I, I like it a lot. And it actually the, the way you were doing this anthology format reminds me of an article I read recently where people were excited because uh, the future state thing is trying that anthology stuff again. And yeah, like. There is no anthology stuff. You're right. It, and I'm a huge fan of anthology stuff. As much as I love the endless stories of, of comics, one thing I love about the indie market is, okay, I'm going to read a story and it's going to end. Or I'm going to read yeah. a short story and it's going to end. And I can be invested and I can enjoy myself and I can get a satisfying ending as yeah. opposed to circular storytelling or normal, you know, it's never going to end kind yeah. of storytelling. So yeah. I'm excited for the and I love horror stories in general. So yes. <laughs> for those for those it's getting a bunch of people who are just gonna draw the most messed up shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, am I allowed to swear on this? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, you are you are, yeah. Uh, for those who are wondering, because you can see the reflection, uh, I've or just ordered a year subscription to Razor Blades. Oh, and thank you very much. At, at his website, you can also get the print issue of number two, and you can get a pin for Department of Truth. So definitely go get the pit. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Ooh. I have them all ordered because I, I know people are probably watching going, what is he doing in the reflection? That thing <laughs> but I chat also brought up another book you have going on that I wanted to mention before oh. we move to their official questions. Uh, they were asking if you had spoken about wind yet, which I have, I have not, not spoken about wind. And part of and it I, not, I hadn't actually heard of this one. I had to Google it. And I'm like, wait, what is that one? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sorry. It's one of those things where when I'm talking about Department of Truth is a horror comic, even though it's a horror thriller conspiracy theory type type book, like me tapping into like, you know, classic 70s conspiracy thrillers and all of that. Uh, but the and then uh, something is killing the children is straight up horror. It's just me doing Stephen King horror. So and then Razorblades is horror. So I was like linking all the horror books. 
but uh, Wind is my young adult series. Uh, and it's a series that I'm doing through Boom Studios. Uh, issue five comes out tomorrow, and that ends book one. But the, it is a, uh, originally it was going to be a series of original graphic novels. And the first volume was going to come out next month. So, uh, and that that's how it was originally conceived. But it was something that uh, Ross Ritchie from Boom reached out to me back, like when the comic market started coming back online. And it was just like, hey, James, like we need a big, like a big new title to help us come come back through the gate. And we had, I had the entire first volume was finished, and it was just like, hey, can we can we make this a a monthly series uh, for for the first five issues? And it was just like, I and there was some some editing and finagling that needed to happen. We were actually able to like expand the book by almost 60 pages uh to, oh, wow. to make it uh work as uh as, as a monthly series but it, it's something well you need the cliffhangers without the cliffhangers <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> and it's honestly it's it's a book that's really really personal to me because i came up with it when i was in high school uh i i it, it was the book that i carried a binder around in high school with all of the my little sketches of each of the characters and it was me outlining this entire world. And it was me very much in my, you know, my high school mode was I thought of myself as a writer, but all I did was just write big world building documents. I never actually wrote a single word of the story itself. Mm -hmm. I just outlined the story and decided like this city is called blank. And this, <laughs> these are the people. <laughs> Um, and I'm, so I'm working on that with Michael Dialinus, who was my co-creator of the uh, series The Woods uh, that came out a few years ago. And uh, it's, it's it, and this, the book will run uh, over the next three years and it'll sort of it'll be it'll run in the similar format it did this year, where it'll be, a, you know, mini series of a kind of five issues that'll sort of, you know, every summer there'll be a new book of wind. And uh, yeah, no, we're we're. Like honestly, it's it's one of the most like personal things I'm writing right now, and it it's very uh, you know part of what I love about my slate right now, everything that I'm working on is everything has such a different feel that I can I get I, every book kind of stretches different muscles for me. Right. And, right. Uh, yeah. No. It's uh, it's a it's a good feeling. Well, I've been pulling questions here. I had them all start letting me over, and one of the ones I grabbed in general. It's not really a question. Just something uh, Black Agara said. Wind means a lot to me because it's something that I would have really enjoyed and needed when I was a kid. So oh, I really appreciate that. That, yeah. uh, that is a hundred percent like a big part of the goal of that book was you know I, I I was reading a lot of fantasy and science fiction and all of that and I didn't really see myself in any of those books uh, growing up. And Wind is me <laughs> sort of putting myself up front and center uh in in a big fantasy story like that so it really means the world to me. all right uh do you ask what ask anything else in general sal or uh, anything I mean, else before I, I mean i'm fascinated I five questions right right that's fair i mean I'm, I'm fascinated by um the renaissance that boom studios has had and i think you are a like a big reason <laughs> for it and uh so i'm wondering what attracted you to boom you know versus some, some uh, like a, a, a an independent friendly creator like publisher like image you know like yeah. something's killing children is is the kind of book where you'd, you'd expect it to be someplace like image and yet you know here it is at boom and of course 
it's your titles plus you know like once in future that give yeah. that and of course uh what's the other one uh we only find them when they're dead yeah which uh, are just like these incredible series and giving uh, and also of course have the hilarious like it's a sentence titles that are <laughs> taking the taking the comic book world by storm oh yeah uh, that's a, uh, on a side note. Cause you mentioned manga earlier. I've noticed manga is doing a very similar thing where they do like the full sentence. Yeah. Oh, the yeah. hero is a guy who leveled up a lot, killing slimes. What? what <laughs> I guess I know who the hero it's, is. It's a great title. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a feeling like we're gonna we're gonna get to a point where we're gonna go more with like the classic anime titles, where it's just a bunch of cool sounding words mashed together. <laughs> yeah. Actually, have anything to do like Neon Genesis Evangelion? Like, I love that stuff. Yeah, but what um, even is that? <laughs> yeah. That means nothing. Yeah. Just... What's a but Ron? one half? Why only half? Um, <laughs> it is a really, it's an exciting moment to be with Boom. And I'd say one of the biggest reasons that I've worked with them this long is that I've, I, I mean, they were one of the first people to champion me as a creator. When I was working on, when I was just writing the backups on Batman and working on Talon and Red Hood and the Outlaws, that's when they approached me the first time. And you're always like, and I think that, you know, one thing I've sort of learned in this business and in a lot of other business is you want to work with the people who want to work with you. Uh, and the the people who are sort of chasing you down and see the potential you have, like those, those are the people who are going to give you the most leeway to, to give, to tell the stories that matter to you. Right. Uh, so, you know, I, I've been talking to them and, you know, the, we developed something is killing the children. We developed win there. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very happy with those books being at boom. I think that the, you know, I, but I'm also very thrilled to be launching my first, uh, image book. And part of the reason I hadn't gone down that road before is that there's a lot more risk with an image, book, right. um, because image like, you know, boom of doing a title with boom, like boom owns part of the, the title. And, you know, what I get in exchange for that is I get a full editorial team, I get their full marketing team and all of that. And image is much more stripped down. And then on top of that, I get a page. They pay me to like for every script I turn in. Ah. Image, like I am effectively like floating the money myself right. uh, for the book. And I am thankfully in a position now where I can do that. And I can do that for a series that's the the... You know, Department of Truth was a series that A, I knew was going to be dealing with some tricky subjects like conspiracy, you know, spoiler alert, some conspiracy theories are really, really scary <laughs> and with upsetting, uh, like, you know, subject matter. And, you know, and it was something that I knew I didn't want to have, uh, you know, a, a nervous publisher who didn't see the have the same vision uh, not that Boom would have been nervous or anything, but it was just like I knew I wanted I wanted to have full control over, it. right? And I wanted to have full control over the length of the book too. Uh, you know, that's that's the other benefit of doing something at Image is as long as I want to keep that series going, I can keep that series going, even if I'm losing money every single issue. <laughs> <laughs> but thankfully, it launched so so strongly that I think we're going to to have a good long run. Uh, but I mean, it is something that as my career goes on, uh, like, you know, pure ownership and pure creative control over my own works is extremely important to me. Sure. Like I'm, you know, I, I'd say, yeah, I'm, I'm not leaving Batman anytime soon, but it's like when I'm done with Batman, I, I think I might step away from superheroes for a while. 
Um, you know, that this is still a couple of years off, but I think that like I, you know, so that, uh, so that I'd never lose my love of the superhero genre. I think I'm, I'm right. probably need to kind of let it rest for a while and move into a fear, into a sphere where I am, I am working much more on my own stuff and, uh, you know, and bring that into flow. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, one more question on the subject of something's killing the children. Do you have a shorter title you use colloquially? <laughs> because <laughs> when, down, yeah, like because you can't say sick, <laughs> like it doesn't work. <laughs> it, it's not. It's not a thing that. Uh, yeah. No. The like. Do you have a shorthand you know when you're like, because you can't you can't write killing the children. You can't send an email right. that says that because no, you're going to be on a list somewhere. You'll be in, you'll end up, just, up in, in, a, in a future issue of, some, of Department of Truth. But like, I just just abbreviate it. That is that's the only that's only all that's okay because that's what I've been doing I, in the office all week. I've been saying something's killing. Yeah, you yeah. know, and then every, and then everyone in the office just goes something's killing what? No, it's the book. Something's killing the children. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I'm saying like we're doing you, that one on Thursday. Just <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I so. I'm going to have my fanboy moment for a moment now. Please. Yeah. I had no idea you wrote Red Hood. And I'm a <laughs> massive Red Hood fan. And so when you mentioned Red Hood and the Outlaws, I'm like, wait a second. Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah. I wrote that I, for uh, just under a year. 11 issues. Yeah. You did the whole Razo Ghul arc or Razo Ghul. I don't even want to put it out that you did the whole arc where he came in and he fought against him. That was an incredible arc. You did a great job with that. I didn't know because I, I know Scott Liddell did it. And then yeah. I, I just assumed he did it all the way into Rebirth because he took back over the beginning of that yeah you were the guy that kind of got them out of that weird because they went to space and it was weird I was yeah, like, yeah i, I was <laughs> right after they came back from space that's, yeah that's when i took on the book yeah well do you did a great job did you i don't know if you've been following what he's done with it but did you know your version of the characters at that last untitled fight just showed up i did not know that i yeah well, now i'm gonna okay <laughs> I, I guess i need to check out the, the most recent arc he did. He did. He did like a weird time thing, and that that version that was in that was doing the untitled fights yeah. popped up to help the current outlaws to like re okay, reflect cool. on the whole thing. So, <laughs> I'm gonna check it all out. Yeah, <laughs> I was just curious if you knew, like, if maybe you had spoken to him, and you're like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if you brought the others back? <laughs> no, that, I am always happy to hear that. Uh, you know <laughs> that some of those ideas keep keep moving forward. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, all right, well, let's go to these questions here I have here before I just talk about Red Hood now for the next yes. half hour. <laughs> <laughs> um, so first what I got from uh, Ivwin, I believe it's how it's pronounced. Did you have any specific callbacks during Joker War to other big Batman storylines? There seem to be connections to City of Bane and Batman Endgame in the Joker War. Yeah, I, I would say that uh, City of Bane is definitely a big one just because it's the most recent big attack on Gotham City. And I think that one thing that we real and even moving forward, the idea of the one-two punch of City of Bane and Joker War and what that has done to the, you know, general mood of Gotham City is going to be one of the big instigators for where where the story moves forward. So that that was uh, that like those definitely those stories definitely mattered. And then you know I think that just because I was such a, I was so closely tied to everything that, uh, you know, Scott was doing in his Batman run. And, you know, I was writing the backup stories and all of that through that whole era. Uh, you know, the, his version of the Joker is very much the version of the Joker that exists in my head. And so I wanted to carry that forward, specifically the idea of him knowing 
uh, the the identity of of Batman and carrying that forward from there. So it is it is meant to be the that Joker is the same Joker uh, who's showing up here uh, now. So yeah. Okay. You just gave me an, uh, an amazing idea for a short story. The guy that the day after City of Bane ends decides he's going to go back to work at his like 7-Eleven, like starts walking <laughs> to work, and then the clowns from Joker War right up, and he's like, well, that's Gotham. <laughs> I mean, honestly, th- those are the sorts of things that I want. Like, one of our big goals next year is to make uh, Gotham City a real active character in okay. each of the different titles, and I think you'll see that like almost every title in the Batman line is going to take place kind of in a different neighborhood of Gotham. We're going to see lots of different elements and, you know, like, and that's, that's part of the exciting, like, I love that kind of world building stuff. That's, you know, it's, I still write the 20 page. Uh, I was going to say <laughs> that I was writing in high school. Yeah. So, so uh, all right. Yeah. Our next one from Tevia Smoke. Smoke. I can never, you know, I've always just called him Tevia. Tevia says, I was wondering, uh, how did Tim Drake get back to his pre 52 origin in canon? I'm, uh, that, that one you can look up. He's wondering if you were given the chance uh, to, would you do the same thing with Cassandra Kane and Stephanie Brown? Would you bring them back to their originals or do you like where they are now? Well, I mean, I think that a lot of like my guiding, you know, the guiding idea moving forward is I think that uh, especially when it comes to Cassandra Kane, uh, because obviously I was, I was a big part of bringing her back during 52 and there were elements of that story that I'm still attached to, but I do want to basically make sure that the Cassandra Kane that is showing up present day in, uh, in, in comics is lives up to the Cassandra Kane that people uh, you know, grew up loving and putting her back in her classic Batgirl costume as a part of Joker War was a big part of that. And our plans for both uh, Cassandra and Stephanie moving forward are also a big part of that. At the end of my Detective Comics run, I had them, uh, they became aware of the other timeline and their histories of those characters. So I think at this point, it's sort of imagine that like these are are like continuity wise these are the more recent versions of the characters but they have the they have the knowledge of what they were and they are who they are like they're sent the center of those characters are, are going to be the same movie all right uh bat free says uh at new york comic-con last year you told him that to write a team book every person on the team has to be an integral integral part of it like yes. a machine so what will the cogs in your machine be in your new Batman run? If you're allowed to say, I'll throw that oh, caveat that, in there. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's a really great question. And I mean, part of it is like, I love building, uh, I love building ensemble cast. Like that is a, a huge part of it. And one thing that, you know, when I, like, I know people love when I write the bat family and I love, I love all of those characters. Uh, but it's something that I didn't want to do, come in and do a big Bat Family centric Batman run because I did a fifty issue Batman uh, <laughs> Bat Family. So a lot of the the core uh, cast, especially where we are in a world where Jim Gordon is no longer the the police commissioner, Alfred has passed away. Like we 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 are now living in a world where uh, you know a lot of his sounding boards are gone. So we are going to be bringing in new characters who fill that, who fill those roles uh, in different ways. And one of the one big character who is going to be, in, uh, you're going to 
you know, meet more thoroughly, but will be a recurring character next year is the character Ghostmaker, uh, who was introduced in one page at the end of issue 100, but is going to be central to uh, the, one of the big arcs coming up uh, before the end of the year. And then uh, Oracle is also a huge part of what I'm doing in 2021 and in Gotham in general. We're definitely sort of reestablishing Barbara Gordon as Oracle as the kind of, you know, central linchpin of the Bat family. And the idea that especially now that we're moving Bruce out of the Bat cave uh, and out of Wayne Manor and having him set up a new base of operations, the clock tower is kind of Bat family central uh, in Gotham City. So that 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 kind of helps set the stage. And then the other character who's going to be central to the run. Uh, moving forward is uh, Harley Quinn. Uh, she is, uh, you know, because she thinks that she, after the events of Joker War and the events of the upcoming arc, she thinks that she's Batman's new uh, partner in fighting crime. <laughs> Batman nice. disagrees. Batman disagrees <laughs> with her on that assessment. So every time that Batman shows up somewhere, Harley shows up and like ends up causing more trouble than uh, <laughs> than she's helping solve. So that is that that helps set some of the dynamic of what we're what we're going to be building next year, uh, and then there are other key characters that'll be playing out not only in my book but uh, across the entire Gotham line. I'm excited to see what you're going to do with Harley Quinn going forward because I loved your take on her in Joker War. I'm yeah. I'm a fan of the character of Harley Quinn, but ever since DC kind of realized she's popular enough to kind of hold her own stuff, you've got the Harley Quinn comic that's kind of in its own continuity, kind of ignores everything. And yeah. then a Suicide Squad, and she seems to get ignored in the Bat family generally, even though she, yeah. that's where she kind of started. And like, so I love that you brought her back for Joker War because yeah. everything else just seems so set on making her her own character, you know, well, as opposed that, to doing it as Batman. And I think that you'll see next year that we're, the the Harley Quinn that is being put forward by DC it's going to be like a singular Harley Quinn. Uh, so the the Harley that shows up in my book will be the same Harley that shows up in her own book, et cetera. So cool. Okay. That, that's all. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited about all. Um, okay. So two questions r- that real quick, uh, I don't, I'm, I'm kind of combining a bunch of these, uh, <laughs> but the question, everyone wants to know what would your take on this team be or this team be, or this team be. So my question is if you could make your team out of DC comics history entirely, your dream team to write, who would that be? Let's just answer that. We'll do it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's a hard question to ask. Like, it's a hard question just because I, uh, that's also what I did with my whole Justice League Dark Run. I took all of a bunch of my favorite um, magic characters and, like, aside from Gotham, my favorite side of DC, uh, DC lore was the magical characters and doing a book that was like Wonder Woman, Zatanna, Detective Chimp, Man Bat, uh, and Swamp Thing with. John Constantine is the is the supporting character. That was that was very much my uh, <laughs> me putting together my oddball uh, superhero book out of whatever spare pieces that I like. Uh, yeah, you officially no. are writing too many things because I, <laughs> I even though even though I'm enjoying that, I totally forgot you also wrote that one too. <laughs> I did step off of that one, and Ram V is doing an absolutely incredible job on that. He's also doing an incredible job on Catwoman. Uh, which you know the, he is he and Fernando Blanco are knocking that out of the park. Yeah. Now, did uh, you leave anything? Like, were you like, okay, 
Ram, here's where I wanted to go? Or is it just kind of like you wrapped up what you wanted to do and he's taking over because because the series is excellent and Ram's done a nice job of finding his own voice over the last couple of issues. But like, you know, there's there are a couple of plot threads that we haven't had paid off yet. And as I understand it, the book is still going. So, you know, which is great. Um, Yeah. But uh, but will we see those paid off and will you be the one to pay them off or is that kind of you just Ram's got it? There are definitely threads that are going to come back into the main Batman book, but a lot of it is using the it, a lot of this is using the Batman book to help seed uh, stories not that don't only take place in the Batman book and try to create the a really a unified bat line like I think we haven't really seen uh, in in a long time yeah. uh, in Gotham where every book is feels like it's taking place in the same Gotham city. And I love, I love doing that sort of thing. It allows me to do the sort of work that I did on Batman eternal and Batman and Robin eternal. Uh, but you know, that, you know, the big things can happen in the main book and then you feel the reverberations, of those things in the side books. So then when the characters show up again in the main book, they can, you know, it all helps create one big, line uh that that makes everything connect really really nice right i'm actually really excited for that because as a fan of the bat family it they always just felt so disjointed and so disconnected red yeah. hood's over here damien is in gotham but no one really knows where the teen titans are like yeah <laughs> yeah that girl's doing all this crazy stuff but batman never references any of it <laughs> like kind of a situation like and then, by the way, Dick Grayson's Rick right now, so we're just going to ignore him across well, the rest of the life. We got, we got Dick Grayson back. So, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for doing that, by the way. And I loved Dickie Boy, but uh, I had a problem because when I made the video and I said Dickie Boy like 20 times, the video got demonetized and I had to fix that. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, always at risk. Always at risk. <laughs> So uh, I think my last question, this was one for me. I'm assuming designer was made when you were ending at a hundred. Do you, can you allude to ever wanting to bring him back? Cause I liked the yes. idea of this crazy guy and then he was gone. Like, <laughs> so, I, so I've talked about this a little of, I forget where exactly, but the, when I was originally pitching the story behind the designer, there was going to be a reveal that uh, he was, he was actually uh, a fictional character created by Bruce Wayne. And the, that was part of the when I was going to be doing a monthly Batman run with Tony Daniel. That was going to be basically like twelve to fifteen issues, and then done. Uh, that was it was going to be the through line that all of that Batman's like four greatest classic villains, uh, you know, Joker, Penguin, Catwoman, and the Riddler, uh, were all approached in early days by this character, character the designer, the and the character. And the character of the designer laid out all of these plans that got them to lay out how each of them would take over Gotham city. And we would learn in the end that it was him and Alfred basically <laughs> tricking his villains into telling them all of their biggest plans. Oh so he God. could interact. All That's amazing. Yeah. So that was the original idea. Um, and you know, DC had some of their, some of their own opinions about that. Um, and uh, part of it was just what they, they, they needed set up and all of that. Right. Uh, Right. So, so it started changing and created, uh, a thread that, uh, you know, that created a real designer character. And, and by the way, this all happened before I wrote the, like, I knew this, that, that 
that was not going to be the story by the time I was writing uh, the the actual designer element of the of that story. Line. Right. Uh, so so I created my the new version of the designer who was kind of this Moriarty style character who was working against the, the Sherlock Holmes style character uh, named Andrew Wycliffe Baker and uh, who we learned that Bruce tried to train under as a young man. And so part of the big idea, like, and this is something that is a thread that I see moving forward because with the Ghostmaker character, I am once again tapping into Bruce's training as an era uh, when he was training to become Batman because the idea behind Ghostmaker is that he was Bruce's rival. When, they, when Bruce was a teenager traveling the world, tra- learning under all of these teachers, there was this other asshole teenager who was going up <laughs> the same teachers saying that he's better than ba- better than Bruce. And you know, we'll learn more about that character and and all of that in the in the upcoming stories, but uh there will there is a thread there that I want to that is laid sort of under the surface that ultimately I want to pull that will allow me to resolve all of the, you know, big ideas behind the designer because I love that design and I love the concept of the character and it is something that there there are plans there they're very loose plans like i can't tell you like it'll happen in this issue right right it it is something that's on my radar i do want to go back to that mythology that's awesome and i'm actually excited to see more of bruce's training history we always hear about it but i always feel like too many writers just look at it as yeah that happened because i don't there's not that many actual stories about that era outside of like the one-off here and there we don't really go that deep into how he got to batman i think all of us as fans just want to go there was no training he just woke up and put a suit on like (laughs) (laughs) batman year one that's it that's the only training he had (laughs) oh yeah but uh but yeah no that's uh uh, i'm i'm like i i love eating things in and then picking them up down the line so i'm i do oh we all know from your detective comics run um so last thing and i'm going to close out the show here i just want to let you know the the first time i ever met you you gave me the weirdest look it was at a con and i walked over to you and it was over the woods and we were getting a signature for a friend of ours from one of our podcasts and i'd never heard of you and i come over and i'm like can i get you to sign the woods and you looked at me like oh okay and I'm like, and you're like, to who? And I'm like, uh, I think his real name is. And you just gave me the weirdest look. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I have, I cannot. <laughs> you were probably burned out from a long day at the con and everything like that. But to this day, for whatever the reason, every time I see the woods or I think of you, I always remember this. The first interaction you and I ever had was me being like, yeah, I've never read your book, but could you sign this for a friend of mine? And you Wh- go, whose name like, I don't okay, know. Yeah, whose name I don't really know. <laughs> He's on the internet, and you're just like, that's okay. okay. You, know yeah. what I bet it is? you know what I actually bet it was? Because at that point, it was still while I was learning the ropes, and there were a bench, bunch of people who were, who kind of like uh, go around comic conventions who are trying to get graded signatures, but try to pretend that they're not getting graded signatures. Ah. <laughs> because they would have to pay if they were. Uh. Right. So, so sometimes when I get when I like when my spidey sense is going off on that, uh, <laughs> like and a lot of times the line they use is that they're getting it for a friend was is that it's like that's when I want to personalize it, because obviously if they're getting a graded signature to flip the book, they don't want a personal signature. Yeah. So yeah. I bet that you were coming up right after someone who is like 
doing the So show. I'm just that oddball who's like, I don't even know his name. This isn't. <laughs> you might as well not write any name. Yeah, just to be no, safe. I, I am sorry. I am sorry. That... Can you write it to blank? <laughs> I, I do know about that. That you that that the the CGC thing. I'm actually not a fan of CGC at all because I feel it killed the collector market in general. I get that they created their own market within it, but it killed the general go get a book and have a great time and make a collection. Yeah. Uh, but whenever I do get something excited, I always get it personalized for that reason, so that they like. The writer knows I'm not gonna flip the book yeah, out of his no, no, hundred percent. And like, and I'm I'm totally fine. Like at this point, like I'm I am also you know I understand the people who like even the even the CGC hobby is is something that it's like I understand and I I can respect. It's just more when uh you know when some people are not upfront about it. That's when yeah. it, it rubs me the wrong way. And I'm sorry that we if we, I'm sorry if I I gave you <laughs> oh a no no no. Back. It was just for the uh, longest time. I was like, I think he hates me. And then we started talking. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not, um, sorry. I never, I never want anyone to walk away from my table having that feeling. So I am. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh no, it's perfectly fine. I just thought it was a funny story. But no, it's it's the only problem I have with the CGC people is when I'm trying to get my own personal signature, and the guy in front of me has the long box, <sighs> and he's like, "So could you just start signing all these hundreds of books, and dude, like." <laughs> Yeah. Can you go after me? I just needed to say <laughs> to Benny, my biggest fan. <laughs> you yeah, should no, see. I, yeah, I, I try. I try to manage that the best I can, but it is a you know, yeah, that, that is an element of the uh, like you know. <laughs> I have. I am grateful that this year has given my like signing hand a bit of a break. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you so, should see right, the creators. Guys. They were just like, right, get that stack. I'm sure yeah. you've been in that situation where you're like, okay, oh, I'm yeah. going to start talking to pick people, though, and then just tum, 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 tum. Like, you figured out, like, a good signature to be like, I can write oh, yeah. a thousand of these in a, in a row while still I've, maintaining a conversation. I've been two ways. I think I've seen Dan Slot do that one where he just plows Dan Slot and Bendis, I've talking. seen them both do that. And it's, it's, yeah, it's but like, I've also seen people limit. You can have five. Right. Yeah. You're, you got to get back in line. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I, I've definitely done bits of both, especially after finishing Batman Eternal the first time. Because oh, my I God. Was, was new enough in comics that I would almost never have a line at my table at that time. But okay. also, my name was on every cover of the of, So people would show up with a 52-issue, like, short box, like, and want me to sign the entire thing. And I didn't have, like, any defenses to be like, uh... I, w- I just had to basically be like, oh, sure. So I learned how to sign quick because I would show up with full 52-ish runs of Batman Eternal. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, happy, I, I'm happy to put those out in the world. So. <laughs> See, I miss the old days, like back th- back those days. As the fan, when when I first started really getting into like collecting comics because I had the expendable income to get the collectibles and go to every con and get them all signed. Yeah. And like you, like, oh, he's on Batman to Turtle. You know, he's not that big. He's got a fan base. I yeah. can get in and get a sign. And now yeah. I go over there and you get this line down the entire convention. <laughs> you yeah. know, like. Yeah. No, it's, uh, there is some, I definitely miss some of the, honestly, the thing that I miss the most is hand selling my own book. Like just being able to be like, you know, I have better sales lines for my early work than I do for my later work because I haven't, I had to just boil it down to a sentence. Right. Like with the woods, I would hold up the woods and say, uh, the woods is about a high school transported into the middle of an alien forest and all of the kids trying to figure out how to survive and how to get home. And it's just like in that one sentence there, there you go. And it's like mimetic. 
Medics about an image posted online that ends the world in three days. Here's the image right here. And it was just like, I was able to just like flip books that way. And, you know, and sometimes I miss the satisfaction of just being like, I got another one. Yeah. (laughs) Hooking someone on, on something that they weren't expecting to grab from the table. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So now you just say it's Batman. (laughs) Just <laughs> well they come to you now they're like hey yeah. now now i don't get as much as much of the just the the casual traffic when i when i do a comic convention which you know like i i'm both i'm very grateful to be in the position i'm at but sometimes i do i also miss having the lulls of just being able to like okay like no one's stopping by my table i can answer some text yeah. <laughs> i've walked up with a few creators doing that one you're just like hi i'd like to get it they're just like uh hi you have to shift into gear and yep. like get back into like i am i am here for you the fan <laughs> yeah but i'm sure we can talk about con stories all day because <laughs> and i have the weird the fan side and you've got the creator side but we should probably end today's show thank you so much for joining us today don't forget guys to go check out what is it it's read Razorblade, right yes read razorblades.com okay. there you go i just want to make sure i had it exactly perfect because yeah. we talked about all your books now and i'm like too many books which one is the one we're here for <laughs> what are we selling today <laughs> Yeah. But don't forget to also check out Something's Killing the Children. That, that We don't abbreviate it. That's all it nope. is. Something's <laughs> Killing the Children. Go check out Wind. Go check out his Batman run. Go check out the Red Hood portion that he did that I didn't know he wrote. <laughs> <laughs> for God's sake, grab Justice League Dark. It's a great book. And Justice League Dark. Thank you. I was trying to remember everything we mentioned here. Department of you, Truth. And Department of Truth and, and Image Comics. I knew I was going to forget one. You write too many things. <laughs> But seriously, thank you so much for joining us today. It's always fun having you on the show. Uh, Chet, Sal, and I will be sticking around after we close out, so don't go anywhere. But I think at this point, don't forget to follow you. Oh, I don't even know your Twitter. It's not my head. You go the I think it's James the Fourth. James the Fourth, all spelled James the Fourth. There you go. James the Fourth on Twitter. And we will see you guys next time right here at Absolute Comics.